have partners, but they use our sex dolls and love dolls for better performance to control orgasm and ejaculation, balancing sex drive, spicing up their married life, threesome sex, and experimenting with fantasies without hurting their partner. <laughs> You're hurting your partner. <laughs> Use flash. <sighs> All right, you ready to go? Yes. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of Rabbit Holes Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Elise. And I'm your other host, Andy. And welcome back to the show. Woohoo! So, uh, we are recording fast on the heels of last week's episode. We've done very little except to confirm what Andy's topic is so that I could appropriately tailor my story for this week. So, I have a feeling your story might be long. It's actually, well, it's about a little over five, five, four and a half pages. Yeah, it's going to be long. <laughs> yeah. So so on that note, I should probably jump into my story. Yeah. We well, also don't have anything else to update each other on. No. No. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. On that note, let's get going. All right. So, uh, you went first last week. I go first this week, which is why I had to ask you what your story was, because I had one story locked and loaded for just this event. Uh, as we all know, Andy is a dirty sex fiend who likes to talk about sex a lot. Where- which is funny, because this <laughs> whole idea started after you watched a docu- quote-unquote documentary on, on TLC. So. A TLC on men who own sex dolls. True. Yep, I'm the dirty bird who likes yes. to talk about sex. They're a dirty sex fiend. Um, whereas I'm a wasp, and it makes me hella uncomfortable talking about... It does, and it's kind of fun. I know. Uh, also weird that, like, the dirty bird club from work... I'm like, every time I hear like a seagull going, you do that in front of Christine and she just loses it. (laughs) Also, you started that. I know. (laughs) I did. So this is very mixed signals here, Elise. (laughs) I am a ball of neuroses and oddness. So to counter the dirtiness that you will hear in the second half of this uh, episode and to understand a little bit more about why I am the way I am, I'm jumping in the Wayback Machine to look at some of the first cultural prudes Puritans. Uh, just a note. Here's an ankle for you. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Uh, just a note, there won't be a lot of show notes since a bunch of this had to be dragged up from the depths of my memory, um, from classes I took, and um, I'm going to simply... Uh, sorry, I wrote these notes like forever ago. So, I, I, like, I'm going to be relearning with you about the Puritans at this point, and I clearly miss, like, a verb or an action word in the <laughs> sentence, so I'm like, what am I trying to say here? That's much like one of the websites I'm going to talk about. Okay, good. Uh, so I'm going to simply stay the fuck out of a lot of the political mishigas that happened around the Puritans, so keep your tits on if you think I'm missing a nuance here or there. Like, this is broad strokes Puritanism based off the fact that I took a couple British history classes, and that's where all this shit started. So Just a couple. Just a couple. You know, here and there. So let's start with the basics. What do I mean when I say Puritans? Well, our good buddy Wikipedia provides this succinct succinct, definition for us. The Puritans were English Protestants in the 16th and 17th centuries who sought to purify the Church of England of Roman Catholic practices, maintaining that the Church of England had not been fully reformed and needed to become more Protestant. Sound like a fun bunch of dudes. 
Uh, they formed and identified with various religious groups advocating greater purity of worship and doctrine, as well as personal and corporate piety. And corporate in this context means community. Puritanism was never a fully defined religious division within Protestantism, and the term Puritan itself was rarely used after the turn of the 18th century. Some Puritan ideals, including the formal rejection of Roman Catholicism, were incorporated into the doctrines of the Church of England. Others were absorbed into many of the Protestant denominations that emerged in the late 17th and early 18th centuries in America and Britain. So, the hell does all that mean? And they're not quite wrong with talking about, like, like, the Anglican Church is... Oh, it's Catholic light. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's only two differences. Yeah. So they're not entirely wrong. No. But as a term, like, there was never a church of Puritanism. No. Which I think a lot of people get confused with. Like, as soon as they hit the shores of North America, like, different churches and different sects started popping up, like, mushrooms. And it all falls under the Puritan. And Puritan is more of a cultural term than a religious term. So to break it down a little bit more into the Puritans, the Roman Catholic faith has been the dominant... Blah, I mush mouth my way through that sentence. To the Puritans, the Roman Catholic faith, which had been the dominant faith in Europe until the Protestant Reformation started in the 16th century, was so far from the original intention of the church founders, uh, so Christ and his apostles, that it was, in fact, a tool of the devil. They kind of went... They swung big on that one. Yeah. The Catholic Church, with its vast wealth, corruption, and loosey-goosey interpretation of biblical rules, had to go. Again, they're not wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Protestants wanted the Bible and not interpretations by church leaders to stand as the influencing force in in the faith. And this is what always, like, got to me. Like, I was brought up Roman Catholic, and so... We have no problem, like no problem, understanding evolution as a scientific concept because there's been so many interpretations of the Bible that we just assume that when the Bible says God created the world in seven days, like we don't know how long a day is to God. It could be anywhere from like thirty minutes to like thirty million years. So like, what the f? Like, what do we know? Whereas like the Protestants are like, no, a day is twenty four hours. Like that's what it says in the Bible. That's what it is. So I mean, I find it so. I also find it ironic because. The people who translated the Bible from all of those different iterations, languages before, um, that are dead languages, into Latin, were all done by the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. And then the English Bible was translated from the Latin Bible from the Roman Catholic Catholic Church. Yeah. So your Bible that says seven days... Comes from the devil's groupies. Yes. (laughs) That is what I'm getting at. I never thought of it that way, but you are absolutely right. It's kind of like religion doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense when you start looking at it logically. That's there what I am. <laughs> Finger on the nose here, people. Uh, so Protestantism began in the area of modern Germany. Uh, at that time, Germany was just a loose collection of uh, princely states. But it quickly spread, aided by the widespread use of the printing press, increased literacy, and some foundational blows to the church. Look at you, Henry VIII. There's a lot of, once you can start questioning the church, you start questioning everything about it. So 
Puritans emerged as a political force in England in the 1640s when the Westminster Assembly was unable to decide on the form of a new national church for England, hence Henry's break from Rome. The state religion had whiffled back and forth between hardline Catholicism and hardline Protestantism uh, since Henry's time right through to Elizabethan age. Each ruler seemed to reverse the policy of their predecessor, which made Sunday mornings hella awkward for everyone involved. Because you didn't know if you are going to lift the host or not. Or if there was going to be a bunch of people with swords waiting outside for you <laughs> to sure. leave. Yeah. Where Puritans really hit their stride in terms of political power was with the First English Civil War. King Charles I had a problem, and that was that he was a Catholic in the face of ever-growing Protestantism in his country. After Elizabeth I died, the throne went to James VI of Scotland, also James I of England. Same dude different titles, who had been raised Catholic by his mother, Mary Queen of Scots, and thought a, and sorry, Mary Queen of Scots, and though a Protestant himself, he wasn't eager to play ball with the reformers, since it would have limited his own ability to rule. So you're starting to share your power by letting other people decide the fate of the, the nation. Elizabeth's religious policy had been one of the via media, which literally meant the middle way, but her subjects, especially the rich ones, favored Protestantism. Charles I, who followed after James I, who was the son, uh, along with being a Catholic and married to a Catholic, had a spending problem, and so tried to get Parliament to let him raise taxes. They weren't very helpful in that, and so he just closed down Parliament, which this is going to air in a couple of weeks, but all these people who are saying Boris Johnson's decision to prorogue Parliament over Brexit is a constitutional crisis... British historians are like, yeah, they do it like every couple of years, like decades. Like, it's no big deal. <laughs> we do it here. Yeah, that too. So Charles was trying to get more money out of Parliament. Parliament wouldn't let him do it. So he closed him down. And then a young upstart in Parliament didn't like the way things were going. And so set himself as an opponent to Charlie. And that was Oliver Cromwell. Name might sound familiar if you've followed any sort of British history. Uh, those Cromwells. Yeah. Charles was eventually arrested, tried for treason against England, and was eventually beheaded. And again, there is an awesome movie starring Richard Burton as Cromwell about the whole Michigas that happened. So that's a good Sunday afternoon movie to watch. Uh, so now the king is dead. Parliament is technically in charge, but they still needed a head of state with his head still on his shoulders. And so Parliament turned to Cromwell and asked him to become the protector, protector of the realm, which he agreed to do. Really, it, it was just a blip in British history of changing one lineage of kings for another. Very quickly, Cromwell just became the next king. <laughs> like, that's what it was. Didn't they get rid of all the, like, the crown jewels? Was oh, maybe. Because the then when I was over there, they were talking about this statue of... They had hired somebody because they got rid of a lot of the crown jewels at the time. That's why there's, like, the crown jewels now on display. There's a, there's not that much from before that time. Ah, makes sense. Um, and there's this one statue that they paid uh, a fairer to get, or a blacksmith to get rid of. And he um, took it down. What he did was he said he was melted it down. He sold off a bunch of pieces of it as, mm -hmm. like, the statue of the king. What he had done is he buried it. Smart. In a field. And then when um, the new, like the monarchy James was. came back, yeah. Was Charles II, yeah. Charles II came back. He sold the statue back. Smart. 
for to the crown as like actually no I protected this so he got all the money from the melted down right like here buy this you know piece of whatever yeah. that used to be you know so it was, it was like king yeah yeah it used to be a, a statue of the king and now it's you know your pot right and people bought that and then he turned around and just dug the statue up and sold it back so he made triple the amount of money smart a smart guy uh sorry didn't mean to do that either but that was i just thought that was a hilarious story and that was some smart entrepreneurship right there for sure uh, so the British government system is not designed to survive without a head of state. So Parliament asked Cromwell to become the protector, which he agreed to. The problem was that Cromwell was a real hardliner when it came to Protestantism slash Puritanism. And England was in for a doozy of a few years as the Puritans rose to power. Oh, here it is. My next line. If you're looking for a bomb ass historical movie to watch about this, hunt down Cromwell starring Richard Burton. It's the tits. I forgot I read that, but there it is. So under Cromwell, the Protestant faith in England fractured. Since it's founded on the principles of direct communication with God through the Bible, basically any shade of faith was possible. A number of Protestantism uh, sects popped up, including the Levellers, the Diggers, the Fifth Monarchy Men, and the Quakers, just to name a few. And this is where my eyes would glaze over in history class, because it's it's a rabbit hole worn of its own. Like, it's not worth going down that rabbit hole unless you really, really care, because <laughs> otherwise, yeah. And I only know Quakers from that. Yep. Uh, things bopped along okay until Cromwell died in 1658, and then the English people realized that he was really tolerant compared to what followed. Those with power tried cracking down to make Puritanism the main way of life, and it wasn't until 1689 that things calmed down with the Toleration Act, which came in following the Glorious Revolution and the restoration of the monarchy. So, regardless of what was happening at home, the Puritans found themselves presented with a great opportunity to live out their ideals, because this was the age where the New World was being discovered and, well, found by people who didn't know it was there to start off with. There was no discovery, but eh. Colonized. Yeah, there it is. Uh, Much of early American history is defined by the arrival of the Puritans. They started in Virginia, but the social slash moral code quickly spread throughout all of New England, and the framework of their church became, of their churches, became the framework for their governments. When King Charles granted a colonial charter to the Massachusetts Bay Company, the document failed to specify that the governor and officers of the company had to remain in England. Which is a little odd. Like, you'd assume if you're going to give away a lot of power, you'd want those people with that power to be in your backyard so you can affect change. So there's a bit of an oversight in the document when they let them go. Uh, The Puritan stockholders took advantage of this silence in the documents and agreed to move the company and the whole government of the, the company to the colony in America. So think of the East India Company if it just, like, up and moved itself to India, for example, like they basically did. Like, look what happened there. They ran the subcontinent for a couple of centuries. That's what they thought they were going to be able to do in America, the Massachusetts Bay Company. So they all moved. They all had these same religious and cultural ideas about being Puritan and getting like really deep into the Bible. And they decided that they would try to establish a biblical community, a holy commonwealth as an example to England and the world of what could be possible if you had the right kind of faith. Probably the most famous case of this was William Penn, who was a prominent Quaker who founded Pennsylvania 
and named it having missed the Sunday school lesson on modesty as a child because he named it for himself. So <laughs> I was waiting for the laugh. <laughs> Thank you for humoring me. So that was a not so potted history of Puritanism. Uh, while Protestantism continued in Europe without a whole lot of issues from here on out, my story now swings to focus on the North American experience of the Puritans, since that's where our modern culture gets a lot of its hangups from. So let's dig in to the meat of their belief culture society to understand why I'm so repressed. Puritans didn't immigrate to the New World in isolation. The usual pattern was for an entire congregation of a church to pick up, get on a boat, and mosey on over to the Americas. And this made their communities incredibly important for survival and self-understanding. Because the migrants came over as a church group and focused on that link to the religion, it's no surprise that church and state became hopelessly connected in North America during this age. Each church was founded on a covenant, which was a written agreement signed by all members in which they agreed to uphold congregational principles, to be guided by the scripture and uh, to be guided by scripture in their decision making, and to submit to the church's discipline. Spoiler alert, it was a male-dominated structure. <gasps> Shock. <laughs> Again, my ankle. Right. Wait. Oh, <laughs> got it. Your ankle. Stop. My shapely ankle. You're being a slut right now. Stop. <laughs> Depending on the size of a community, there could be anywhere from two to an unlimited number of church officers. Uh, and the church officers kind of stood in as civil authorities as well. So, hmm. The Puritans... I roll. Yeah. <laughs> The Puritans believed that they were in a national covenant with God. They were chosen by God to help redeem the world by their total obedience to his will. If they were true to this covenant, they would be blessed. If not, they would fail. Ugh. Which makes some really, like, high-profile failures embarrassing. Like, Krakatoa and, and all that jazz. In some ways, uh, like, insisting on education, this was a good thing. Like, Protestants were really big on the whole, you have to educate yourself because you have to be able to read the Bible and to commune with God. So they were big on education. But this worldview meant that religious document uh, doctrines stood in for secular laws as a way to deal with law and order. And it's here that things quickly get dicey. In several of the colonies, new churches couldn't be formed without the state's permission. And state collected taxes in several of the colonies went directly to churches, regardless of a person's personal affiliation. So if your governor happened to be a member of this particular sect, even if you weren't, your taxes still went to that sect's uh, coffers. But for all that, there was more of a separation of church and state in the New World than in Europe at the time. In England, for example, the king was literally the head of the national church, whereas in the colonies, you couldn't hold a civil and religious office at the same time. Hmm. So at least they had that role. Church was obviously an important part of the community. Sundays, as required by scripture, were completely devoid of labor. Instead, the time was spent in worship, both in church and at home. Sermons were like the cable TV of the day, in that you waited eagerly for each week's new episode of hearing how you were going to go to hell. These people were hell, hell and brimstone, mm -hmm. fire and brimstone types. Church services were held on Sunday mornings, but could stretch into the afternoon, depending on the sermon. And usually there was also a midweek service. Oh my god. Yo, I did not like getting up early, but I would always go to an early mass before I'd go to the later mass, because you knew the priest was on a deadline. Like, he had to get you out by a certain time That's to get true. the next congregation in. So I was hitting the 9 a.m. mass if I had the choice. <laughs> Gotta think it through, people. <laughs> 
church elders sat on a raised dais facing the congregation. Men and women sat on different sides of the building, and children were seated away from their parents as well. But don't worry, a dude with a long stick was assigned to look after them slash keep them in line. Uh, Time for prayer was long, and it wasn't broken up with hymns since they were banned because they didn't have biblical origins. Instead, only psalms and uh, paraphrases of scripture were sung. You had to go to church, by the way. Like, if you missed it, you had to have a really good reason. You had to be dying. Yeah. While you could be born to parents who were full church members and baptized into the flock, you yourself wouldn't be a full church member until you were able to testify about your conversion into the faith. So that's where the whole born-again mission statements started. The sort of Pentecostal Seventh-day Adventist, Mm -hmm. that's big in, in that. Uh, Women weren't necessarily relegated to the background of Puritan culture. Uh, Because of their role in childbearing and rearing, women had a moral and religious significance in everyday life that you could argue was missing previously. I'm not a fan of, like, their only value being in the whole, like, childbearing and rearing piece of it, but, like, at least it gave them a position in the culture. Setting up good marriages, homes, and families was seen as a woman's calling, so just like a man's vocation was seen as divine imperative, so was keeping a good home for women. Speaking of marriages, there was no big church ceremonies. The Puritans, ever the party poopers, didn't find a justification in the Bible for a wedding ceremony, so chose to see it as a private contractual agreement between two individuals, and so they were subdued and overseen by a civil authority figure. Yeah, because that's how churches, that's how weddings used to be before Pope Innocence II. Yeah. I mean, it sucks for, like, the party folk yeah. of the town. There were a couple of standout cases where women got shafted in Puritan society, and I'll talk about those a little bit. Like I said, education was surprisingly kind of welcomed. Raising children was seen as a serious responsibility since they would become members of the church as well. In 1642, Massachusetts required heads of households to teach their wives, children, and servants basic reading and writing so that they could read the Bible and understand colonial laws. I mean, shocker, like even the servants were getting educated. In 1647, the government required all towns with 50 or more households to hire a teacher and towns of 100 or more households to hire a grammar school instructor to prepare promising boys for college. So again, state-required education. Not bad. Five years after it was founded, Massachusetts established schools for children. Um, Because Puritans relied on their ability to read the Bible to commune with God, literacy was a crucially important aspect of life. Some estimates put the literacy rate among Puritans as high as 60%, whereas it is estimated to be at 30% at the same time in England. So double the literacy rate. That's really good. Yeah. Education throughout life was seen as important, so much so that Massachusetts founded Harvard College in 1636, specifically to train ministers. Now it just kicks everyone's ass in the college rankings. They are my white whale at work. I'm constantly being asked why we aren't ranked comparative to Harvard. Because we are not Yale and Princeton is what I yell in my head, but I don't say it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Work was seen as a godly imperative. Since God oversaw all, even what you did to earn a living was seen as mandated and guided from above. So your regular nine to five was an act of worship. Good news, you can make yourself worthy of Savior through good works. So you may have been a shitty human being, but by working hard, you could show that you were worth being led into heaven. But that was only one aspect. Other sects of Puritanism say your predestination 
kicks in and like you could be a shitty human being and still get in or not it's god rolled the dice when you were born and made his decision it's just so confusing like if i lived back then i'd just be like yeah i don't know what to do i'm just gonna crawl up in like a fetal position in the corner and like hope for the best (laughs) put my head down and do what i gotta do someone will tell me if it's okay or not that's much how i love my life Uh, so the idea in North American culture was that you had to work really hard to show that you were good enough to be let into heaven. And as such, idleness was a massive sin and being diligent and hardworking was seen as a virtue, which I think translates to the whole nine to five. You don't leave your cell phone at the office. You check your emails after work. Idle hands make devils devil's work. work. Yeah. So we're still being affected by this whole bullshit work hard to make your imaginary friend in the sky happy. Not a fan of that. I mean, so far it's sounding like a pretty dreary life, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's because it was. (laughs) Uh, Puritans didn't celebrate traditional holidays like Christmas, Easter, and May Day, which is big holidays back home in Europe. Uh, And they didn't celebrate birthdays either. They did throw some celebrations for military victories, harvests, ordinations, weddings, and births, but these usually involved food and conversation and not a whole lot else. One Puritan wrote that dancing was, quote, a natural expression of joy so that there is no more sin in it than in laughter. However, Puritans generally discouraged mixed or, quote, promiscuous dancing between men and women, which, according to the original author, would lead to, quote, unchaste touches and gesticulations that have a palpable tendency to that which is evil. So basically, Footloose. <laughs> Footloose! This is the town from Footloose. Footloose. Some ministers went so far as to state that mixed dancing was appropriate in some settings, but that it was not to be encouraged. Again, party poopers. Sounds like somebody couldn't get a date to the dance, but that's just me. (laughs) Dancing was also discouraged at weddings or on holidays, especially dancing around a maypole, and was illegal in taverns. So dancing is out, but what about playing games? Well, those are fine so long as they didn't involve blood or gambling. So really, what was the point? I know. Jacks. I mean, what kind of lame-ass jacks are you playing? All forms no of beer pong for these people. <laughs> no. All forms of gambling were illegal. Not only were card playing, dice throwing, and other forms of gambling seen as contrary to the values of family work and honesty, they were religiously offensive because gamblers implicitly asked God to intervene in trivial manners, sorry, trivial matters, violating the third commandment against taking the Lord's name in vain. Good Lord. But I mean, now you can ask him to pay, pray the gay away from your children. So really, where are your lines? Team sports were problematic because they, quote, encouraged idleness, produced injuries, and created bitter rivalries. All right. Well, we live in Ottawa. We all know that Maple Leafs suck ass, so maybe they had that one right. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny, coming from people who founded these universities, like... Yeah. The Harvards. The Princetons. Yeah. Well, those two are not too accurate. Like, they're not generally, like, take... Think Penn State, think Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Like these Although are. Uh, Notre Dame was the Catholic one, but. That's true. <laughs> uh, hunting and fishing were approved as sports because they were productive. And other sports were encouraged for promoting civic virtue, such as competitions of marksmanship, running, and wrestling um, held within militia companies. Sounds a little gay, don't it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. We both went there. <laughs> In our heads. 
Uh, theater was completely off limits in Puritan society. According to historian Bruce Daniels, plays were seen as, quote, false recreations because they exhausted rather than relaxed the audience and actors, and also wasted labor led to wantonness and homosexuality, and invariably were repressed were represented by Puritans as foreign, particularly French or Italian, uh, similar to the enervating nature as syphilis. So your love of Broadway basically means that you have syphilis, Andy. Wow, these people are <laughs> douchebags. <laughs> so remember how I said women didn't have it too bad in Puritan society with a couple of notable exceptions? Well, here they are. Anne Hutchison was a Boston resident who, in 1634, started up a post-church meeting in her home to summarize the lesson of the week's sermons for those women who hadn't been able to go to church that week, which was actually common for women more so, because obviously they're the caretakers at home, so if anyone is sick and not going, they're with them. Common pregnancies kept you home. So um, this group organized by Hutchins was for the women of the community. At some point, though, Anne started speaking out in those meetings against some of the preachers who she didn't agree with. And this did not go over so well with the men folk, particularly the preachers she was talking about. A legal kerfuffle followed, the result of which was that no women were allowed to speak in church after that. At all. Just in general. We all have Anne Hutchinson to thank for that. Uh, Cue a John Oliver deadpan. Cool. Way to go, Karen. Yeah. Well, Anne, but same thing. You know what what I get there? (laughs) She had that Karen haircut. Yeah. Uh, Also uh, in the con column for women at this time, uh, witch trials. I was going to say Salem. Yeah. A rabbit hole of its own, so I won't get into it. Basically, though, mob hysteria led to a lot of dead ladies and some men being accused of witchcraft and then being hanged. Again, cue the John Oliver deadpan. Cool. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. So what can we see in our modern society that is almost, if not actually, a direct handoff from these early settlers in North America? Well, the age of faith that the Puritans flourished under gradually gave way to the age of reason of the 18th century, and so Puritans became absorbed into the larger culture slash society around them as immigration increased and the colonial population grew. A lot of what would become the pioneer generation that settled the West were descendants from the Puritans, so they brought their work ethic into the process of settling that large landmass, and this has had huge repercussions and impact on generations since. North American culture does retain some of the features of the Puritan culture. There's the strong work ethic. In theory, there's an equality that is always sought. Literacy and education is huge. And Protestantism is still widely held, um, going so far as of the 45 presidents, only one has been Catholic. The other 44 have all been Protestants. Yeah. Uh, modesty is encouraged. I mean, less so as things go on. Thank you, Lizzo. But still, we're expected to dress a certain way or else we're responsible for our own rapes in courts. Civil obedience is expected. Public displays of emotion slash affection is frowned upon. So, in conclusion, Andy is evil and I am not. The end. (laughs) Oh, shut your face. (laughs) You whore. (laughs) I'm not the one flashing ankle all over the place That is true. I am flashing a lot of ankle. (laughs) So, I told the story about the Puritans because I knew Andy was going to tell a dirty sex story. So, uh, you should probably tell me a dirty sex story. Okay, we can just pause this for a sec. I gotta go pee. Okay. 
right, so. So I'm going to talk about that subject that got us started that fateful evening so many moons ago. Sex dolls! You don't remember that at all, apparently, because it was clearly the middle of a Sunday afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) So... uh, so we watched a show on men, be it creepy but harmless, slightly lonely men that enjoyed their sex dolls enough to have an annual quote-unquote convention. Yep. I use that word loosely as they hold it at a bread and breakfast, so it's obviously not that very big, so... Well, I mean, it's like us holding a festival at a bar. That is true. <laughs> true enough. I point no fingers <laughs> about that. I'll point fingers about other things, but not about sizes. Okay, about that too, but like, <laughs> not about the size of an event. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> but since then, sex dolls have come a long way with the addition of robotics and AI features, so they are no longer the plastic blow-up dolls favored by bachelor parties the world over. These new generations of dolls could talk in that inhuman Siri Alexa voice, uh-huh. have sensors in their bodies that can trigger a response, and it's a whole new world out there. How terrifying would it be? Like, every so often, Siri or my Google Home Assistant would be like, I'm sorry, what did you... Can you imagine that coming out of a sex doll? I'm sorry, what did you say? Or just like, do it harder, baby. Like, just like randomly speaking out of nowhere, I'd be like, okay, well, that thing's haunted and it's got to go. <laughs> Which is actually, because I wrote this and then I was doing the story and I actually didn't even get to the robotic AI sex dolls. Oh. So I'm going to have to come back and do that some other time. All right. So let us now... So let's bring it back to the beginning. Uh, what is a sex doll? Also known as love dolls or blow-up dolls. It's a type of sex toy in the size and shape of a sexual partner for the aid of masturbation. Okay. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> the sex doll may consist of an entire body with a face or just a head, pelvis, or other partial body parts. With accessories such as vaginas, anuses, mouths, penis for sexual simulation. I mean, otherwise, what's the point? Exactly. Then it's just your hand. Yeah. Uh, And sometimes those parts vibrate. They are movable or interchangeable. Sex dolls exist in many forms, but apparently they are not the same as sex robots. There are sex dolls and then there are sex robots. Well, I mean, the most famous sex robot of all is Rosie from the Jetsons. So clearly they're two very different things. But so I so I was wrong in my opening statement. But since I feel like an idiot saying sex robots, I'm calling them all dolls. Yeah, that's fair. Again, this is my story, and I can do what I want. Yes. <laughs> so let's have a short history lesson. Some of the first sex, sex dolls were invented by Dutch sailors in the 17th century, who would get <laughs> lonely during long voyages. These masturbatory dolls were made out of sewn cloth or old clothes, and were a direct predecessor to today's sex dolls. <laughs> okay. Can you imagine how gross those... Can you imagine rolling over in your hammock and like seeing like yawn in the hammock next to you, just getting it on with a pile of rags? I'm like, this is my stop. Nope. <laughs> I, I know we're in the middle of the ocean. I'm out. See ya. I'm swimming for home. The Dutch sold some of these dolls to Japanese people during the Ratu, Ratu period. And the term Dutch wives is still sometimes used in Japan to refer to a sex doll. Snap. <laughs> that is some petty anti-colonialism. And I love it. So one of the earliest record recorded appearances of manufactured sex dolls uh, is in 1908 when dolls were actually offered for sale in catalogs of a certain manufacturer of Parisian rubber articles. I'm going to guess they meant dildos. Yeah. Because otherwise... 
they went a long way to describe something that's really creepy that I can't even think of what it would be. Exactly. (laughs) So technology took a huge leap forward in the 70s when vinyl, latex, and silicone had become materials more frequently, uh, most frequently to make the dolls, and silicone in particular allowed greater degrees of realism. So in the 70s, latex, silicone, um, and vinyl really came into its own, I guess. Okay. (laughs) So let's look at the type of dolls. At the bottom of this ladder, you have your vinyl blow-up doll. They are the cheapest type of doll that looks nothing like a human, and they have a short lifespan. Like a couple of uses, and they're usually popped. Like, having no penis of my own. Shocker. I know. Is that even a comfortable experience? Because there's got to be seams somewhere, right? There's welded seams, yes. So, like, ow? And, like, it doesn't expand? So either you're feeling really good about yourself or really bad about yourself? Like, even like even the first time I ever saw a blow-up doll, I was like, I'm so confused. I don't understand how this is sexy in any way. I actually say that I can't imagine anyone using that to get off. Right. We're women, though. That is true. Like, I've heard some truly shocking stories about how guys have gotten themselves off. That is true. And so nothing should surprise us, but yet here we are. (laughs) Since the main uh, market for this type of doll is a gag gift, let's pretend that no one actually uses it for sexy alone time. Oh, good point. Let's hope. Yeah. (laughs) So I said, let's pretend. Yeah. (laughs) Manufacturers lean into the gag gifts and make female, male, and other sorts of blow-up dolls. What other sorts are we talking? Sheep, cows. Like, they're usually gag gifts, right? Yeah, I personally don't think non-consexual sex is a joke of any kind, but that's just me. You know, there's some perverts out there. But, you know, you can see the bachelor, bachelorette parties wandering around where the the bride or the groom have to, like, carry around the blow-up yeah, doll that the... I get it. I'm just saying let's not make a joke out of non-consexual sex. Yeah. <laughs> In this day and age, 2019, I think we owe that to ourselves. Blow-up dolls are often uh, 75 and under, but at 75, you have to be committed to that gag. Yeah, that is a lot for a gag. I, I would shell out 30 bucks to make my friends uncomfortable, at most. Yeah. I'm not ever that committed to a gag. <laughs> Uh, in the middle of the ladder, you have the dolls that are made of thicker vinyl, heavy latex, or polyurethane, and a polyurethane and silicone mixture. They typically surround a foam core. Most have plastic mannequin-style heads and styled wigs, plastic or glass eyes, and occasionally properly molded hands and feet. <laughs> I don't know what they are the rest of the time. Like hooks? Or just no hands? I'm just... I'm seeing, like, blow-up dolls are, like, the dollar store. Yeah. This midway is, like, Giant Tiger slash Walmart. If I'm fucking it, I want it to be, like, Neiman Marcus or better. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the uh, Saks and the Neiman Marcus. Okay. Uh, <laughs> latex doll. So, um... Not Neiman Marcus. Nordstrom's. Nordstrom's. Some uh, vinyl dolls can contain water-filled body areas, such as breasts or buttocks. So water filled. So a little water bed action for those people who remember the nineties and eighties. Well, it makes me like when we were waiting for our ladies to come in, thinking that it was going to be a good thing. It's not. My back is killing me. And you're like, water balloons. What are we thinking option wise on making us look like we have yeah. it? So like, 
any man who fucks one of these things and thinks that water-filled boobs are real probably has not touched a real woman. <laughs> also, we all know that a realistic is uh, a balloon filled with pudding. pudding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, who? Full House, maybe? Then and now? No. Now and then? That oh, movie? the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's where that now comes from. Uh, l- so latex dolls were made in Hungary and China and... F- Hungary? Hungary, China, and France, but only f- the French manufacturer Dormac- Domax now still remains in production. Oh, the mm-hmm. French. Yeah. These mid-range dolls will run you anywhere from 100 to $1,000. Okay, well, if I needed one of these things, like, as a budget-conscious option, sure. Now, here's the top tier of dolls before right. you get into the robotics and the AI and yeah. the sensors and the boobies. Sensors in the boobies. Yes. I'll get into to that To do one. what? <laughs> Some of the AI ones apparently have sensors, so when they touch, when the guy touches them or whoever touches yeah, them, yeah. they respond appropriately, or what they think they should respond appropriately. Just need, like, a loop tape of, like, a porn soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, a guy's really gonna care. <laughs> Some people do, apparently. <laughs> Um, so now the top tier silicone dolls, these are going to cost you, um, the most amount of money and they start at around $3,000. Right. And that's like the low end full doll. The low end. That's what you want. You want to put your dick in the low end anything. But again, it's costing you $3,000. Right. So it's still pretty <laughs> high end. It's, you know, the mid range one was a hundred to a thousand. Right. So you're. True, true, true. Yeah. True, true, true. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, it's leaps and bounds. <laughs> The dolls are made with faces and bodies sometimes modeled on real people. Porn stars. <laughs> oh, okay. Can you imagine being a manufacturer and some guy shows up with just, like, a series of photos that he clearly took of his own, like, of himself with, like, a long lens photography of just some random woman on the street? Like, make it look like this? Well, I, I guess you <laughs> could because you can customize these dolls, like, hair, eyes, like, they have their standards, right? If you're not doing, like, say, Janet Jameson or... Right. And I, I would hope the manufacturers would turn those people into the police for being creepos. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> hey, dollar's a dollar, right? Exactly. Uh, with realistic skin material similar to those that are used in movie special effects when they're making, like, you know, you know Voldemort's face and stuff yeah. like that. Because obviously he has a nose in real life. Um, and are made with either real or very realistic hair. So the more money you spend, it's like a real, right, real hair. Uh, these dolls usually have an articulated PVC or metal skeleton with fre- flexible joints that allows them to be positioned uh, in a variety of positions for display and for sex acts. So, <laughs> right, <laughs> they're bendy. This line in the wiki article struck me for some reason, and it says, Because of their ability to be posed in different positions, silicone dolls are popular with artists and photographers as models. And I don't know why I find that so creepy. Probably not the artist aspect, but the photographer. Like, who? Well, it makes... Yes, the artist thing I get. Like, if you're trying to draw, like 
probably your parents are like paying for your apartment in like Soho and this seems like a good idea if you want to like improve your craft. But yeah, the photographer, like, is there a big market for photographs of sex dolls? Or just because they have dead faces. Well, that too. So then you're just taking pictures of their body parts. Like, judging by some of the photos that pop up on like weird Shutterstock, like Reddit pages, like you could pay people to take any photo. Like, yeah, you don't need to make a doll do it. Uh, Japan is, I guess you could say, a leader in sex dolls. They coined the term love dolls, which is generally used to refer to any high-end product. And they use the word, the term Dutch wives for, like, the lower end. (laughs) So petty. I love it. (laughs) And there's a lot, like, let's face it. Japan is, it can be out there. Yes. Like, they have vending machines where you can buy women's used underwear. Yeah. And if I knew how to, like, you know, corner that market... You can monetize the shit out of that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm with you. Speaking of which, if anyone's looking for a sugar baby who never touches you or has to see you face-to-face, hit me up. (laughs) Also, no weird photos. You know what? Just send me money. I'm not going to do a lot of work. (laughs) There's a business called Doll Forest in Tokyo that rents love dolls and rooms to male customers. In March... 2007, a rental business that brings the dolls to customers' homes also opened. I don't want to rent anything that some other dudes jizzed in. That's just me. There is a, a com- there is a rental doll, love doll rental company in Edmonton, and there's been a couple of brothels, sorry. Uh, and there's been a couple in Toronto that have opened and closed a few times in the last couple of years. Brothels? Of just love dolls. So you could open a love doll brothel here and just have a love doll in different rooms and men could rent them. Well, I could, but then I'd have weirdos in my house. That is true. Where's the prostitution law come down on that then? Because it's illegal to both solicit a prostitute and to be a prostitute. So there's no prostitute in the equation. It's actually not illegal to be a prostitute. It is illegal to solicit a prostitute and live off the avails of prostitution. So technically, being a hooker, just living off the money you make is illegal. So then the brothel owner slash runner would be living off the profits of prostitution because he's charging, I'm assuming it's he, is charging for sex. Yeah. Or is this one of those weird, like, the laws haven't caught up to technology holes we're in? I think so. Got yeah. it. Uh, and I will probably do that in my next okay. sex doll robot AI business story because I didn't get to it because I'm already five pages in. <laughs> Um, so, and also in Japan, there's a specialized love doll magazine, and it has a print run of 10,000 copies per issue. Wow. So who said print media was dead? Wow. There's a number of top doll makers, real dolls out of the US. Okay. Probably the most. And then orient dolls out of Japan. Ooh, don't like that word, but okay. What these people have called themselves. And they make a line called Candy Girls. Now, for this story, I clicked on a link on Wikipedia called Realistic Sex Dolls. And I thought it was just going to be an article, but it came to a site whose tagline is Your Doll, the best sex doll store. (laughs) So, (laughs) of course I scrolled through. Okay, just pause. You know, it'd be really, really, really funny and I would love and also hate at the same time. Is if our first sponsor ended up being a sex doll company. <laughs> I would love the money. The Puritan in me would hate it. 
don't know if they're going to want to after we make fun of this one. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Just roasting your customer base. I am still unsettled by the dead face look of the dolls. Which, uh, uh, yeah. I showed you the uh, very patriotic Labor Day. Yes. Who has such a huge set of knockers that her underboob could literally hide an entire family fleeing the Nazis. Yeah. But, I mean, their Labor Day sale is still up and running. That is true. Like, this is some dead, dead, dead eye staring. <sighs> well, the girl next door seems to be very popular. Mm, bestseller. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a visual media, so we'll get back to this. <laughs> oh, man. Instagram's going to have a lot of problems with our social media posts this week. <laughs> I know. I'm not sure how I'm going to clean it up. Uh, hey, if we figured out Naked Lady and an Owl Head. That is true. We can figure this one out. <laughs> so, uh, since I've been unemployed and at home with no one to s- who will see my search history, I clicked around on the site because I don't care. <laughs> I did have that thought as you were about to show me the photos. I was like, thank God she wasn't doing this at work. Yeah. <laughs> there's cause yeah (laughs) um and i found their q a page oh boy so here is a few questions so and so the question is how do sex dolls feel like oh a true scholar answer this is a question often asked sometimes people be embarrassed about these questions and I've put in com uh, in parentheses. This site should be embarrassed by the grammar. Yeah, but don't you worry, and we will give you the best answer here. If your budget is between one thousand and two thousand, you can choose the most realistic sex doll, and you'll get the most realistic experience because the fidelity is now close to real. Fidelity? Yeah. Of like, it's fidelity to a human experience or it's I guess fidelity to you and not sleeping with others I don't know <laughs> I have no idea if you pursue body you can spend less money but cheaper torsos and inflatable dolls are less fun and you can usually replace sex dolls with sex toys like flashlight okay you know how like you meet somebody and they're, like, really dumb, but they're really, like, good-looking. Yeah. And so you do, like, the math, like, would I fuck this person? Would I respect myself enough in the morning, knowing how dumb they are? That's the vibe I'm getting all this. Like, you'd have to decide whether fucking one of these things is worth your self-respect for dealing with people who think that this is how you speak and write. Uh, I can say that I have had a I know you have. <laughs> with a guy when I was younger. <laughs> Who was so dumb, but he was so pretty. It did pay off. It, it did, did pay yeah. off. Yeah. I just, he wasn't allowed to talk. Yeah. Oh my God, was he pretty? Mm. Wasn't what he was there for. No, that's not, yeah. His, his conversation was not what I was there for. Mm-hmm. But God, was he pretty. Uh, so the next, so under the same question, mm-hmm. there's a lot, of, there's a bunch of answers. So kissing and touching. Silicone and TPE sex dolls are made to feel, quote, just like the real thing. Want petites or round ass, question mark? They can be as you want. Facial features and body parts are molded from a real person. Touching can feel very good. Doll face is soft and mouth could open. You can touch her with your hands and tongue. She will have 
tongue and teeth and a deep throat. Dolls' boobs are very squeezable. Soft, perky nipples with great butts, too. Exclamation point. That really bummed me out. <laughs> Oral sex. Oh, wait, you're going to get really bummed oh, out by the end of this. Oral sex can satisfy you. Some dolls are designed to have a deep throat. She can feel like a... Was that just our car horn? No, it was a train. Some dolls are designed to have a deep throat. She can feel like a person's mouth with a little heat and lube. A sex doll won't suck you like a real woman. No. She usually gets more with vaginal and anal. I must remind you that the mouth is easy to tear, so you must be careful to use it. Things I never want another human being to say <laughs> is the mouth is easy to tear, regardless of context. Humans should never put those words together in a sentence. Vaginal sex. Her vagina is the concern of most people. Her vagina... Yeah, I'm certainly concerned, but yeah. <laughs> Her vagina is 100% designed according to human anatomy. We believe when you close your eyes, you will not be able to perceive the difference. Well, as you've never probably experienced the real thing, you're probably right. <laughs> Anal sex. Oh, it's not a question you should ask on the first day you have her, but sex doll won't mind it one bit. Exclamation point. See, and here's where it trips over into the quirky to the sad. <laughs> because they know some of their customer base are really going to take that serious. <laughs> like the vagina, the anus is anatomically correct. It simulates the real feeling of anal sex. It's an entirely different sensation to the vagina. When you see a full and shaking ass, I bet you can't help slap it. You better start helping. <laughs> One more tip. To get the most real feeling, you'll want to warm her up first. You can use a heating blanket or a vaginal heater, and, and you can do this through a USB heating rod. If heating the baby for 10 to 20 minutes, you will exper your experience will be, be, will be better. The grammar on this is just atrocious. I don't even, like, there's so many images that that put into my head that I don't think I'm going to sleep tonight, Andy. I'm sorry, you're the one who went down the hole of watching people have sex with sex dolls. Yeah, but, like, I now don't you know, know the they... background that went into it. Now you know they probably threw a heated blanket on that. It's the heating... Oh, the rod? Oh, gross. Ready for another question? I don't know. <laughs> Can I get my therapist on speed dial first? Uh, question is, plus points of sex dolls. This one's at least short. Plus points. Okay. Uh, and it's a list. So the answer goes like this. One, it's a great way to start your sex life without embarrassment of facing a sexual partner. Oh, that's just heartbreaking. Two... Using sex dolls to help strengthen your social confidence can boost your self-confidence and increase your chance of being with your dream lover. Again, heartbreaking. But also not true. The sex doll looks so realistic and feels so incredible. Number four, it can give you the experience you can't get by masturbation. It can even help you exercise six packs. Exclamation point. Dubious. All right. Five. Sex with people is a risk of STD, but sex with a sex doll will never. I mean, they're not wrong. Unless you're getting it from a brothel. True. Another reason why I don't like these ideas of these brothels. 
So I'm going to talk about a couple of articles on why the use of sex dolls can be damaging and problematic for some. Um, But this article, this answer, I was going to talk, sorry. But this next answer really spells it out for us. Okay. Um, And probably I will talk about that next time I talk uh, talk about sex dolls. Is like, is it talks about like building up your self confidence, but it really doesn't. I guess for some it does, but again, it all comes back to like a therapist will tell you do whatever you do to cope. As long as it's healthy. Yeah. As soon as it becomes like, I would rather date my sex doll than go out and interact with human beings, there it's no longer healthy, and there it is no longer an effective coping mechanism. And, like, when I was listening to um, The Butterfly Effect, and they were talking about sex dolls, they were talking about people with different types of social anxiety, Mm -hmm. and, like, the guy who could pee if someone else was in his house. Right. Or the guy who only eats fried chicken and fries because of a traumatic experience. Like, those people have a hard time dating. Yep. Because they have these social anxiety disorders that... Prohibits them from living a... Yeah. Full life. Yeah. So, like, those people do look at sex dolls. But then, also, I, like you said, go back to that therapy, work on these anxiety issues. And hopefully, you will broaden your experience it yeah. and be able to get out there and you won't necessarily have to use sex dolls. Right. But yeah. when you don't want to do that and you just want to spend time with your sex doll, that's There's a problem. It. Yeah. Also, it's a whole problem about then people can... It talks about... Um, people say, well, they can safely uh, explore fantasies. But then, like, the child sex dolls... Yeah. Like, no, that doesn't help. Pedophiles. No. Like, no, that no, no, actually no. just emboldens them. Emboldens them, yes. Yeah. So it actually is not, like, it. it's completely the opposite thing of what you should be. Fun story. Uh, I was trying to send you a news article about some guy who was arrested coming back from, like, Thailand with a child-sized sex doll. And without thinking, I put into Google, sex doll, child, Thailand. Google search. <laughs> Wow, you're on a watch list now. Totally, I'm on a watch list. Caesars can show up at my door and be like, guys, I'm just dumb. I Listen to our podcast episode, blah, 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 and you'll hear why. Episodes 1 through 53, you'll see how dumb I am. Like, yeah. this was totally, like, just to not put two and two and two together. <laughs> so, our next question is, why should you purchase a realistic sex doll? With a realist, with a lifelike sex doll, you can improve your sex performance as you can practice with her the right way to practice thrust and pace. P- pace. Unless you're getting feedback, there's no way of knowing it's the right way. These silicone beauties are the next big thing to a real person. Again, I'm reading exactly <laughs> from this website. This is why this is hard because this is poorly written. Your doll, which is the brand name, is developing super realistic life light real life sex dolls, keeping in view their high demand in the future. Artificial intelligent capacities will provide them with even more human like feel and charm. Here are some reasons why you should consider buying a TPE sex doll and what the benefits you will have you will get from having a realistic sex doll. And this is why this spells out the problematics. No commitments and no strings attached. That's the heading. Hmm. 
the explanation underneath is, with real dates and companions, you have some form of commitment and expectation, while there are no strings attached with a love doll. They are at your service and disposal, always ready to welcome you, and there will be no variation in their mood. Your doll, silicone dolls, are any are any time ready kind of partner who will never be pesky. Who are never pesky. Oh, okay. So the company is owned and run by people who hate women. Your doll, never nag, is the next heading. Oh, oh these are incels slash proud boys. Got it. I'm on. I Yeah, here it is. Real, puzzle. real life sex doll owner is quite normal and not psychologically or pathologically deviant. When you have to say it, it's probably not true. Flexibility and submission of realistic sex dolls allow the owner to literally try any sexual encounter with them without risk of any sexual infection or guilt. With, <gasps> with most marriages failing due to partners being too nagging, a sex doll will never demand you anything and never pester you anytime. They are therapeutic for those who've gone through troublesome unions. Ooh, I want to find these guys and punch them right in the dicks. I also wanted a shower after I read this. Yeah, this Wait is... Wait for the next one. That's not even the worst one out of this. It feels so gross. Your doll, come virgin. Oh. Not even I... comes virgin. Come virgin. Oh, wait. I... Okay. How do they spell? C-O-M-E. So it should be comes as a virgin? Yeah. And not like... Okay. Still. Really, really gross. Yeah. Not actually an important fact for anyone. And if it is an important fact for you that your partner be a virgin, you might want to reevaluate your humanity, but whatevs. They could have just said new and not used. <sighs> yeah, they could have, but they're clearly misogynists, so. <laughs> Accessories like lubricant, outfits, and bondage gear will let you enjoy an electric experience with your love doll. The best part is that life-size sex dolls come virgin in a world where virgin girls are hard to find and it remains untouched till you actually purchase it. As it comes untouched, a life-like sex doll provides you with a safer alternative to patronizing brothels to have sex with commercial sex workers. I hope, like, the FBI behavioral analysts unit, like, has the list of people who buy these things. Because I feel like we would solve a lot of crimes if they did. <laughs> Next heading is always at your service with the explanation under it going no risk of pregnancies, no dinners, no birthday parties, no jealous and no going out. A realistic sex doll obediently stays in your home, eagerly waiting for the master line. You. That is the worst thing. on Oh, that may be bad. (sighs) I'm not this. No, the TLC didn't. mm. See, as I said at the beginning, the TLC was just a kind of sad, yeah, it put like a quirky little little spin on it. This is like learn how to rape a woman before getting arrested for it, Kit. Like this is gross. So now it goes back into I think the cert of more have great sex with a love tall anytime. If your sex drive is higher than your real-life partner, you can satisfy your lust with your sex doll without resorting to infidelity. For those... Because those are the options. Yeah. 
For those into or contemplating threesomes, sex dolls are the perfect choice to add another person to the sexual experience. That's not what a threesome is about, but okay. (laughs) Realistic sex dolls bring ultimate sexual pleasure to you. In fact, a love doll can help save your marriage. Over a period of time, most partners will cheat to satisfy their sexual wants, or sex simply doesn't happen between them. Read more on how sex doll vaginas look like. We shan't. No, we shall not. Next heading, sex dolls for couples. Some of our customers have partners, but they use our sex dolls and love dolls for better performance, to control orgasm and ejaculation, balancing sex drive, spicing up their married life, threesome sex, and experiencing with fantasies without hurting their partners. Do not like. (laughs) That's also not a threesome is about. Yes. I'm just, I'm sitting here like, there needs to be a new circle in Dante's Inferno for these people, and I'm trying to figure out where I'd want to put it. Like, what they go between. How far down they'd be going. But also, like, as a married person? Yeah. If my husband was like, here's this sex doll, I'd be like, no. It's like, here's the door. (laughs) Hard pass. Yeah. Get out. God, I gotta tell my mother not to listen to this episode. (laughs) It's also the assumption that, like, the choices are your female partner lets you fuck her or you're going to cheat. Like, there's no assumption that you could just be a goddamn human being and if your wife's not feeling it, that you just, you hold on. Yeah. Like, there's no... Yeah. Yeah. There's no controlling your urges here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's one extreme or the other. Now, this one does promote sex doll brothels, which is another subheading. Sex doll brothels have increased in their popularity recently and due to open legislation. It is becoming a trend in many countries all around the world. New love doll brothers, although I think it's supposed to say brothels, (laughs) open every month, if not every week. They're using the high quality real life sex dolls that your doll provides them. Some manufacturers and some brands all over... Same manufacturers and same brands all over the world. Read more about our realistic sex doll brothel. Read more from our article on realistic sex doll brothels. And I'm going to say, just in case I haven't, because I've written this out, I'm going to say that in this case, you definitely could get an STI from some shady brothel. Or not even like, how is that easy to clean out? That was my question. What do you put on your resume that you were the jizz bucket operator like because like i assume it's like a tanning bed like you don't clean your own tanning bed right like the the tanning salon people go in afterwards with the disinfectant and wipe that shit down like are we talking the exact same process but for the brothel like the guy who cleans down the pole at a strip club yeah like and how do you fall like i understand times are hard sometimes and like (laughs) you got to put a roof over your head and food in your belly but like Fuck no. (laughs) And like, I was, so I was reading this article on this one that was opening in, or had opened in Edmonton. I don't know if it's still open. And it's like talking about like how uh, the health services was like, okay, but parts need to be changed out. Yeah. And new parts put in for every single customer. Yeah. But can you imagine how much that would cost if you've got to replace the vagina and the mouth and the butt in every single one of these. Well, I, I assume it's like certain medical devices. You can sterilize them. I don't know. They're silicone. They all have bits. Like, they have crevices in them, right? Like, they're supposed to be realistic to the human anatomy. Like, you can get I... one of the teen mom's butts 
And they siliconed her. Part of me, like, wants to, like, follow this thought experiment to, like, the end point. And part of me really hates <laughs> having to do that. <laughs> but yes, you're, like, all on board with, like, the health department saying, like, fresh bits and bobs between customers because otherwise do they just take them and boil them and then pop like fresh cleaned ones do they right. sanitize them how yeah. do you even sanitize these like is Lysol coming back around as a douche like is that what we're talking about now like they got a spray nozzle like you know bars do for yes. sanitizing glasses but you just put the which like I legit saw a woman do that in a movie what was it Bonnie and Clyde or something it was about like 1920s like gangsters and she ended up was like a prostitute and she used a coke cuz wow. he like Lysol started as a douche oh, which yeah, I yeah, can't yeah, even sure. imagine I don't know if it was aerosol at that point yeah. like spray bottle style but yeah it did start as a douche but like you know yeah so there's so many questions so <sighs> oh there's so many so many questions about all of it so actually it didn't, that didn't go as long as I thought you wanted that to go longer? No, I, I didn't, <laughs> but I thought it would go longer. Um, so that's all for now. I did not get into accessories, body parts, you know, teen mom's butthole. Right. Because really, the experience is going to be so different between silicone butthole random A and silicone butthole teen mom B. Like I know. It's still a silicone butthole. <laughs> and robots or the child sex dolls, the thought of makes me dry heave. Yeah. So I'm sure I'll be back here again. Oh, boy. When you do, I'm talking Victorians. Yes. <laughs> so everybody needs a shower after this one. Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to have to huh. GTFO. I need to, like, scrub down with Brillo pads. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I This actually was really quick to write. Shockingly. <laughs> it only took me maybe an hour to write this whole story. Right. And, like, some of it was cut and pasted off their website, obviously, because that is worse grammar than I've ever committed. <laughs> That's, like, an atrocity against the English language. Where are they located? They're American, yes. as far as I can figure. They should deaf know better. Yeah. Southern California. Oh, no, actually, they are made in England. So this is an English company. They invented the language. They should know better. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, let's be honest. If you're in the market for a sex doll, are you really going to spend the time to read the FAQs? Oh, you can get elf and demon sex dolls, <laughs> chubby sex dolls, pregnant sex dolls. I mean, not to kink shame, but like, come on. <laughs> Plus size, which I don't know how that's different than chubby. She-males, men, women. I just, I had a thought in my head. Just sexy dolls? I don't know how that's different than... So heteronormative in the very back of my, like, lizard brain when you said male sex dolls. I was like, no woman would pay for that. I was like, women are not the target audience of that sex doll. (laughs) Those sex dolls for women, so let's see what that is. (laughs) Because, again, I'm on your Wi-Fi now. (laughs) Oh, they're men. They're actually men. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But I'm still going to guess that women are not the actual target Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to guess two by the looks of these. <laughs> they look like they're the K-pop guys who are they all really the do. Like, they all look exactly the same. With bad haircuts. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's an eight-pack as well. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> an unreal. And, are. like, rib. So I don't think that's a realistic... <laughs> None of... They just look like... They didn't really do much for the faces. They're all very feminine-featured. 
Well, I don't know. They, they all look like those K-pop singers to me. They do. That That is very true. That group that, like, hit big this summer that was on, like, all the oh, late nights. Ooh, yeah, if you ever really wanted to... What is a lesbian sex doll? <laughs> Dude, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, you can I also could not customize even... your, your own doll from head to toe. Can we stop? I feel really sad. <laughs> yes, we yeah. So that's our episode for this week. I didn't see this, this bottom part where I was like, elves and oh. demons. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's our episode for this week. Uh, I hope you're not as traumatized as I currently am. Uh, and if you are, please uh, refer yourself back to the Puritan section where everything is clean and pure and not evil like Andy is right now. Like, she's not even paying attention to me. No, she's just I'm, scrolling through pictures of sex like, dolls. Wow. <laughs> if you would like to check out our show notes, which I assume is just going to be Andy posting links to whatever the fuck she's currently looking at. It's a uh, lot of Wikipedia and okay. a couple other articles. <laughs> but yes, and I will link to the main site here. So please don't click through to your doll. But please do because their grammar is awful. Just don't do it at work. Yeah, just don't do it at work. Uh, <laughs> so if you'd like to see our show notes, get links for merch or to our Patreon page, check out our website at www.rabbitholespodcast.com. Andy's facial expressions right now are priceless because she's still browsing. Uh, oh, Good lord. If you want to tell us about a rabbit hole that you like to fall down or that you would like us to fall down on your behalf, you can always email us at rabbitholespodcasts at gmail.com. You can find us on social media, which will be very clean. <laughs> I'm not sure say. how I'm going to link to my topic. I mean, follow us just to see how Andy's going to dance this tight rope. <laughs> Without getting banned. <laughs> um, you can find us on Twitter at rabbitholespod. Facebook at Rabbit Holes Podcast page. Uh, Instagram at Rabbit Holes Podcast. You can also write us a review, rate us, you know, send us any of your messages. We love to hear them. That reminds me, we need to do a contest. Yes. Next week, we'll have information yeah. about that for you. Yes. So next time, we'll have some information about a contest that uh, everybody hopefully will um take part in so uh, wherever you're listening we appreciate it do we have any new countries have we looked lately i have not mm, no i don't think so we're picking back up in the uk in a couple of spots though which is nice so hello you english listeners but really you should be mad at the parent company from your home countries that are making this terribly yeah it does not look good on you because <laughs> that is some bad english <laughs> That's so, some Google Translate shit right it there. Is. So I'm very happy to say that there's only one last thing to do tonight, and it is not to continue scrolling on the <laughs> sex doll webpage, but it is to tell you that if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Bye, guys. Bye. Get the fuck off my Wi-Fi. <laughs>